close your eyes and imagine a world without Roe v. Wade. Hi friends, welcome to the State of the Pro-Life Movement. This is your host, Felipe Avila, the president of Team Pro-Lifers, graphic designer and cinema aficionado. Today's episode brings into light the key highlights of pro-life news this month, including the upcoming Supreme Court case, Dobbs v. Jackson Women's Health Center, and the new official pro-life flag of our movement. Now we're going to begin with the SCOTUS, with the SCOTUS case, and essentially this case differs from past abortion cases that have gone to the Supreme Court in the fact that this one is directly asking the Supreme Court to overturn Roe v. Wade, which is the uh, the abortion case uh, that went to the Supreme Court in 1972, and that case is what legalized abortion throughout the United States. The Roe v. Wade is probably, again, it takes a very different, uh, different approach and past abortion cases that have gone to this you know the high court they've usually indirectly tried to overturn roe v wade and a lot of times uh, it's struck down sometimes they pass uh, but this one is the big deal and if you recall last year we had another big abortion case um, from louisiana and uh, essentially the state of louisiana was trying to protect unborn life and the Supreme Court struck down that piece of legislation, uh, essentially citing that it had already been decided on another on another um, past case, and that it would place an undue burden on women seeking abortion. Now you're going to hear this a lot again, seeking you know undue burden, uh, and it should be common sense though. I mean the, the Louisiana. Uh, the Louisiana case that went to the Supreme Court, it was basically a bill saying abortion facilities need to have safety regulations. And I mean, this is very common sense, right? Having big hallways where gurneys can come through, where emergency personnel can come through in case of carry, um, for, you know, all the, all the money for their attorneys. So, uh, you know, when these uh, when this legislation is passed, uh, specifically heartbeat bills, uh, the pro-abortion lobby is just getting more and more money out of it. And so this state by this uh, this bill by Mississippi, HB 1510, essentially took a different approach. And Mississippi said, OK, we're going to ban abortion around 15 weeks, right? And this is still before viability. Viability is around 20, 20-ish weeks around that time frame. So this one took a novel approach and Mississippi said, we're going, we're going to do this. And obviously it was immediately taken to court. It was blocked. And uh, after a few months of deliberation, the Supreme Court essentially said, you know what, uh, we are going to take this case. We want to hear oral arguments. And just a few days ago, Mississippi actually, uh, you know, their attorney general said, we want the Supreme Court to overturn Roe v. Wade. That was what they that was their, their response to the court uh, botched abortion. And oftentimes we've even seen um women die from these abortions in which the, the abortionist will perforate the woman's uterus in which there could be a complication and sometimes it's very difficult if there is a very small hallway for emergency 
medical personnel to access the patient and transport them right to the hospital. So this is what the Louisiana bill essentially tried to address was saying states like us should have that right to regulate these dangerous abortion facilities that are seeking to profit off of women, but they're putting profit over patient safety. Uh, appoint three pro-life justices. So we had Justice Gorsuch, Justice Kavanaugh, and most recently, we actually that bill was struck down by the Supreme Court, and it was actually a very, very close uh, decision. It was a five to four, and surprisingly, and you know, this took everyone by surprise, including I would say pro-abortion advocates. The fact that Chief Justice Roberts were very, very optimistic now because we have a six to three pro-life majority so that in the event, the building block of abortion in the United States, because it's what legalized it, it was that first step. Uh, and essentially what Roe v. Wade uh, stated after the decision, you know, decided by seven men, was that states have the ability to essentially ban abortion after the second trimester or after viability. And this left the door open for states to say, we want to restrict late-term abortion. However, in Roe v. Wade, it was also stated that states cannot ban abortion before viability, and they also, states also cannot implement any legislation that would place what they call a quote-unquote undue burden on women seeking abortion. And what that means is if you have a pro-life law or a pro-life bill that would limit a woman from being able to access an abortion before viability, then that would be taken to the courts. And we've seen that um, recently with a lot of heartbeat bills in which states have tried to ban abortion um, around the fifth week. That's why they're called heartbeat bills, because that's around when the fetuses, the baby's heartbeat begins to beat. And essentially, um, every time these laws are implemented and signed by you know pro-life states like Ohio or Texas, uh, essentially what happens is the pro-abortion industry and lobby like NARAL Pro-Choice America and Planned Parenthood Action, they immediately file lawsuits, take it to court, the state loses, and the abortion lobby essentially collects all of the monetary. Amy Coney Barrett, you know, Chief Justice Roberts, decides that he's going to side with the the pro-abortion justices, then we have that fail-safe, which is Amy Coney Barrett. So we're very, very hopeful with this one. And uh, I just wanted to kind of read through what the uh, Attorney General for Mississippi, um, Lynn Finch, uh, so she's defending this law on behalf of the state. And she essentially said, I quote, nothing in constitutional text, structure, structure, history, or tradition supports a right to abortion. She follows it by saying, egregiously wrong. And um, she cites Roe v. Wade along with uh, Planned Parenthood v. Casey, another uh, in 1972, and she said that they were egregiously wrong. And I wanted to touch on Planned Parenthood v. Casey, which reaffirmed what was decided in Roe v. Wade. Again, the case just said, states had that ability to limit abortion after viability and there was another lawsuit and again it went to 19 in 1992 and the supreme court said once again yes that is correct we're reaffirming that states have the legal right to restrict abortion after viability so that was reaffirmed 
And now states are trying to challenge that idea. They're saying, why can't we limit it before viability? And essentially what this means is that if next year, around June, around the summertime, if the Supreme Court were to uh, completely reverse Roe v. Wade or chip away at it significantly, it would almost make Roe v. Wade collapse because the two cases would contradict themselves. It's like saying, okay, one case is saying you can restrict abortion after uh, viability, but then the other case is saying you can also restrict abortion before viability. So they contradict themselves. So that would actually prompt the Supreme Court to revisit Roe v. Wade um, and Planned Parenthood v. Casey and say, well, if we hand this win to the pro-life movement and to the state of Mississippi, then it wouldn't be logical to keep this former precedent. And the truth is that the Supreme Court does not like to admit that it makes mistakes. And we've seen that throughout history. And quite frankly, I think that it's time that the Supreme Court recognizes that they've slaughtered 60 plus million of its own citizens. So I think it's, you know, the Supreme Court needs to recognize this. And, I, and I'm very optimistic. We're very hopeful that this will be the case next next summer. So the 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 case is expected to hear oral arguments uh, around this fall or early winter, um, December, January. That's when it's expected. And once again, um, the Center for Reproductive Rights is trying to spearhead this one again. And they're essentially saying, no, we need to protect abortion rights. And quite frankly, um, the pro-abortion movement is in a, they're in a, in a panic frenzy because they recognize that Roe v. Wade could fall as soon as next year. It's very, very within our, it's very much within our reach. And they recognize that. So now is not the time for us to lay back and relax. It's critical that we as a movement come together and that we all fight for this bill and life in general. Big abortion case that followed after Roe v. Wade. Obviously, a lot of people, um, including pro-life advocates, abolitionists, uh, people who just believe that abortion is wrong in general, um, there may be tactical disagreements, and that's okay. And oftentimes you have a lot of people that will say, well, I don't know that going to the Supreme Court will be a solid strategy, right? Um, so we can disagree on strategy, but the truth of the matter is that if we don't reverse Roe v. Wade, abortion will always be legal in this country. There's just no other way. We have to go through the legal system. And now that abortion is within our reach of ending, I think it's worth putting all of our efforts, you know, um, without considering your own personal philosophy philosophy or strategy on ending abortion, the truth is that we're, we're very close, right? And sure, you might have other strategies such as changing the culture. It's very important. You can't reverse Roe v. Wade without changing the culture. Very important. Comes hand in hand. You might have other strategies in which people might say, we need to pass a personhood amendment, right? The truth is, once again, we're very, very, very close to this. So I think it's worth saying, if you disagree with going to the Supreme Court, I think it's worth saying, why not just try our strategy, see how it works, and then if it doesn't work, 
we're open to other ideas, right? So, um, because the truth is, this, if we're fractured as a movement, if everyone, every organization, every pro-life individual is doing their own, you know, strategy, if we're not united, then we're simply weaker as a movement. We need to be united. And that's something that I recognize from the pro-abortion movement. They're very, very determined to uh, prevent Roe v. Wade from, from being reversed and you know, we're we're coming up on almost 50 years of abortion precedent in the United States, and they're not about to lose this case, which is why we have to fight. We don't just have to fight as hard as them. We have to fight even harder because we can't do this if we're fractured as a movement. And I wanted to touch on the fact that um, uh, Mississippi uh, essentially argued that, I quote, abortion jurisprudence has placed its court at the center of a controversy that it can never resolve. And Roe and Casey have produced a jurisprudence that is at war with a demand that this court act based on neutral principles, end quote. So essentially, um, it's tackling the view of some of the justices that Roe should be upheld. And because essentially, if we were to reverse it, um, it would hurt the court's legitimacy. And this is um, oftentimes what a lot of the pro-abortion attorneys are arguing. They're, they're saying, um, you know, going back to my point of the Supreme Court doesn't like to admit that it was wrong. They don't like that. And that's what the pro-abortion advocates and attorneys are arguing. They're saying, if you were to reverse this 50 years of precedent, you would be making a very, very grave mistake. So again, it's very, very critical that we're ensuring that the Supreme Court is aware that human life is very much present um, in the womb. I also wanted to add to this by saying that uh, it, it's the, the timing of this is actually very interesting. And I, I, I really cannot think of a better time to reverse Roe than next year. And the reason that I think that is because of this. Now that President Trump is gone and we have the most radical pro-abortion presidency of the history of the United States, uh, we, we luckily have such a pro-life state effort in, you know, through all, throughout all 50 states. And um, as the Guttmacher Institute admitted recently, 2021 is the most, is, is the highest year of any pro-life pro legislation, we're, we're literally pushing and pushing and pushing. And again, it's because we have this momentum. And I think the biggest impetus for the pro-life movement is that we're so determined, we're so motivated now that we're closer than ever. And again, ending abortion is within our reach. We are so, so close. We cannot give up. We can't say, oh, you know, we're going to take a break now. We need to keep going because I can guarantee you, certainly the, the pro-abortion advocates aren't taking a break. They're working overtime. They're working, you know, they're making calls to their legislators. They're, they're campaigning for the legislators. They're posting on social media. They're texting their friends. We need to be doing the exact same thing and, you know, and then more. So uh, it's very, very important that we're being proactive because we, we really can't. We, we truly cannot end abortion if everyone is doing one thing and, you know, you, you take a different strategy. Um, we got to be united as a movement. And 
once again, I think the timing of this is just so curious. Now that we have a pro-life majority on the Supreme Court, um, you know, followed by uh, a, honestly a historical number of pro-life legislation passing this year, it truly goes to show that the U.S., the United States, the people, the citizens are fed up with this precedent and it's time for the Supreme Court to admit that it was wrong. You might be asking, what are some of the possible outcomes that could arise from this Supreme Court case? The best case scenario would be for the Supreme Court to say, we're going to get rid of Roe v. Wade and Planned Parenthood v. Casey altogether. What this would do is it would allow all 50 states to essentially limit and ban abortion before viability, which is obviously not currently possible because of Planned Parenthood v. Casey. The other side of the coin could be that although the Supreme Court may not completely reverse Roe v. Wade and Planned Parenthood v. Casey, it's possible that the Supreme Court might simply choose to take a nuanced approach and just limit just just chip away and road Roe v. Wade. However, uh, nearly all of the possibilities, if the pro-life movement was to win this case, they wouldn't be very good for the pro-abortion movement. They, it would leave them in a panic. Uh, so that's the first step. If the pro-life movement wins this case, it's going to significantly erode away at planned uh, Planned Parenthood v. Casey and Roe v. Wade. Again, the ultimate goal would be for them to just say we're going to get rid of it outright. That we we can we can debate whether it's likely to get tossed out completely or maybe just chipped away at, but that's the ultimate goal. I wanted to switch over to the new pro-life flag of the pro-life movement. This was a big, big project that Team Pro-Lifers was a part of. We were a partner organization with the Pro-Life Flag Project. And this project has essentially been under the, under the works for the past year. And it finally began to take shape these past few months. We had thousands of both uh, freelance and professional graphic designers submit their own uh, their own designs for consideration. And just recently, a few weeks ago, the Pro-Life Flag Project opened up the voting booth for everyone across the world who is pro-life to vote for their favorite pro-life flag. And the one that got selected was announced this morning. Uh, Team Pro-Lifers was very, very excited to announce it. And if you haven't seen it yet, you're welcome to go on our Instagram at Team Pro Lifers and take a look there, share it, and even consider buying it. Uh, it. It truly is a phenomenal flag. It's going to unite the pro-life movement. And we're very hopeful that, once again, abortion will be ended within our lifetime. And going back to what I mentioned with the Supreme Court case, the fact of the matter is that Reversing Roe isn't the ultimate goal. However, it is the first step in ending abortion within the United States. Once Roe v. Wade is reversed, it leaves the door open for states to take action to protect its own citizens and its own interests. 
Finally, the last step would be for pro-life advocates like us to go in and begin lobbying legislators in every state to enact pro-life legislation that would save the pre-born as well as enacting legislation that would help pregnant women so that they don't feel that they need to choose abortion. That is what we are fighting against. And once we live in a post-Roe society, we want to make sure that women are being supported, that they're given the resources that they need so that they don't feel that they need to choose abortion. Moving over to the pro-life flag project, Team Pro-Lifers had the distinct honor and privilege of working with many top international pro-life organizations, including the March for Life and Students for Life of America. It was truly, truly phenomenal to see all of the amazing partners, over a hundred plus across the world coming together to find the official, to find and create the official flag of the pro-life movement. This wasn't easy, and the staff over at the Pro-Life Flag Project work very relentlessly. They work very hard, and all of the pro-life organization partners, including Team Pro-Lifers, had the responsibility and the unique privilege of being able to, to, to say that we have been a part of history. We were able to promote this, to recruit people to apply, and to submit their professional designs for a flag it was narrowed down to about under eight flags the first phase and from there we had pro-life people from all across the world begin to vote for their favorite flag it was eventually narrowed down and the selection became smaller and even smaller and it got to the point where we had three uh, finalists and excuse me, we had a few more than three finalists and it was narrowed down to a runoff between two or three flags because of how competitive the whole process was. And it was finally narrowed down to this beautiful, beautiful flag that won. And it was officially announced by Team Pro-Lifers in conjunction with the, pro- the Pro-Life flag this morning. If you haven't seen it yet, please head on over to our Instagram, Team Pro-Lifers. You can find it there. Now, you might be asking, well, what does this mean for the pro-life movement? Why is this relevant? How is this going to save any lives? Those are all very valid questions. The way that I would respond to that is by saying that there are countless social movements, including LGBT, BLM, a lot of grassroots social movements that have adopted a very unifying banner that they all rally under. If you recall, during this podcast episode, I mentioned that oftentimes as pro-life individuals we're so passionate about ending abortion that we we oftentimes will focus on our own strategy because we think that the strategy of others or the tactics of other pro-life individuals organizations simply isn't the best and that's okay because that's exactly what the pro-life movement needs we need thinkers who will think of new strategies that are more effective and more efficient however It's also important that we are being effective. If we are to rally as one banner, we need to be effective together because we can't be effective if we're not being unified. And that's exactly what the pro-life flag seeks to do. And it doesn't just rally people from the United States or uh, the UK. It rallies pro-life advocates across the world. That's the beauty of this official pro-life flag. 
to add to this, when you purchase a flag from the Pro-Life Flag Project, a portion of those sales will go, will go directly back to pro-life organizations that are working every single day to end abortion, both on a local level, on a state level, on a federal level, on sometimes even an international level. The work that all of these organizations, including Team Pro-Lifers, is doing is absolutely critical. And we also need to motivate and mobilize pro-life individuals like you, as well as your friends, your family, this issue, this topic of abortion isn't something to be on the sidelines about. We need to take action and be proactive. I always ask myself the question of when we look on abortion, when we look back on abortion in 10, even 50 years, what will we have done? What will we be, what will we be, will we be able to say that we did to end this inhumane, this barbaric practice I, I want to have the ability to say that I did something, that I took action, that I wasn't sitting down on the sidelines casually waiting for abortion to end because the reality is abortion isn't going to end itself. We have to do it. I also wanted to add that this amazing pro-life flag, there were thousands upon thousands of submissions from professional graphic designers and all of these amazing graphics were narrowed down to, again, just a few. This, pro this process was incredibly timely and it focused on quality. And that's the key thing about this flag. It's every, every detail, including every stripe, has a meaning and it has a story behind why the designer chose to include that. So I think that's the beauty of it. And... You know, for so long, we, we as a pro-life movement, we agree on the fundamental idea that abortion is wrong and that it should be abolished. However, we've never really had a unifying flag, so to say, that will rally everyone and bring us together as one big family that wants to end abortion. So this is exactly what it seeks to do. If you want to buy a flag, you are more than welcome to go over to ProLifeFlag.com they're selling some right now. Once again, all of these proceeds will go back to uh, pro-life organizations who are working every day to support uh, the pregnant women who are working to abolish abortion um, across all levels. And I wanted to finish by saying, if we want to succeed, if we want to truly abolish abortion, we can't be divided. The flag is both physical in the sense that it unifies us physically. There's a banner that we're following. But second, it's also indirect. And what I mean by that is by having a banner, not just a physical meaning, but by having that banner, we all associate as one big pro-life family. And that's the absolute beauty of it. So I'm very, very proud to have been a part of the process. And I'm very excited for all of these flags to start shipping out. And I truly think that within the next few months, within the next year or two, we're going to be seeing these pro-life flags everywhere, everywhere. So you're going to you're going to want to be a part of the fund. You're going to want to have one. So um, but to all of you that voted, thank you so much. You were a part of the democratic process, which is phenomenal. So thank you. 
I'm very optimistic about the upcoming Supreme Court case for Mississippi, as well as the pro-life flag that has been selected. I'm confident that both of them will have lasting impacts, not only in the fight for life in the United States, but also across the world. Once again, my name is Felipe Avila. Thank you so much for tuning in to the State of the Pro-Life Movement. I will see you next week.